0: Right hand. Make a circle. Wax off. Left hand.
1: All right. Hey, so uh, let's see who actually knows what's going on. If you are under the age of, I don't know, 25, and you got to be honest, we're at church, so don't lie. If you're under the age of 25 and you don't know who Mr. Miyagi is, please raise your hand. Nobody, everybody knows who Mr. Miyagi is. I'm shocked. Um, I love this movie. Uh, this movie uh, taught me, karate. Um, I'm kidding, but I did do taekwondo when I was in middle school and I got the yellow belt and so it was really special. So me and, uh, this is Daniel, me and Daniel, we have this like um, really this bond with each other because we both do karate. Um, but if you don't know, if, uh, let me refresh you what this movie is about. Daniel, or as Mr. Miyagi calls him, Daniel's son. Uh, him and his mom moved to California and, and he's new um, in, in this town. And he's new in the school and he starts to get picked on by these kung fu kids, the dragons, I don't, Joel knew what they were called, I don't even know, um, by these dragon guys, and he, he doesn't belong, he's getting picked on, and he befriends this guy, Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi, uh, he's a shop mechanic, and he knows karate, and, and he goes to him, and he's looking for help, you know, like, I need help, I need to defend myself, these kids are picking on me, teach me karate, and in this scene, they make a deal, and he says, let's, I'll make you a deal, I'll teach you karate, if you do everything I tell you to do, no questions. You do what I tell you to do, you follow me, you listen to me, and I'm going to teach you karate. And Daniel's like, yeah, yeah, like this is it. Like this is going to fix it. This is going to fix my problem. And then he's like, okay, now wax the car. And he's, he's left standing there like, are you serious? I thought we were going to learn karate. And, and for Daniel following Mr. Miyagi, it was this thing that seemed so strange to him. He had, these, uh, he had these things that he was asking him to do, and Daniel did not understand how washing a car was going to help him learn karate. And he had to have felt so odd doing it. Like, somebody comes by, Daniel, what are you doing, man? Oh, I'm learning karate. Well, looks like you're waxing a car. I, I, I did taekwondo, and I never learned taekwondo from waxing and cleaning cars. And he probably had to have felt so odd, too. He probably had to question, like, does this old guy really understand what's going on? Or is he just trying to use me to get me to do a bunch of slave labor because he's old and doesn't like to wax his own cars? What is going on? And I love this, and what I want to talk about today um, is this idea that following God can seem odd, that following God can seem strange. Just like Daniel had this interaction with Mr. Miyagi, and he's like, I'm going to teach you karate, and then he's like, this is what you have to do. And it's like, what? That's what you want me to do to learn karate? I, I think that the same principle is true with God, that we have this interaction with God and, and he says, I have all these great things for your life, but this is what I want you to do. And we, a lot of times we step back and we're like, ooh, like, that's weird, God. That doesn't make sense. That's not normal. That's not what I thought you were going to do. This, is, this principle is so difficult for me and it's something I've struggled with growing up my whole life because... Um, First of all, I'm analytical, and I don't like things that don't make sense. I don't want to make, I don't want to do something that I don't fully understand or that I can't wrap my head around. And also, I have this huge desire um, to fit in, and I don't like to stand out and and, and be the odd man out, and all, you know, all through middle school and high school and and college and um, still today, this has been a a struggle that I've had in my relationship with God, because I don't want to do the thing that nobody else is doing the thing that's not popular, the thing that's not normal. I don't want to be odd. When I was in high school, I started to go to Young Life and and started to go to church and and youth group, and I started to hear about this God who loved me and had all these plans for me. Um, I'd learned verses like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. Hmm, I think it's wrong. But plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, and I hear this and I'm like, yeah, like, I want hope. I want a future. I want these amazing things that God has for me. And, and, and I started to learn about God and, and, and read the Bible, and I started to learn that part of these plans that God has for me, is, and part of following God means making some decisions um, that, that I hadn't been making, doing some things in life um, that I hadn't been doing. I, I started to learn that God understood life much differently than I did, and that, that God uh, was asking us to make really practical decisions in our life that maybe we weren't making. And he says, if you do life this way, it's going to be better. You want to follow me? Do it this way. And I'm going to give you all these great things. And I got to college, and uh, I I went to Grace College. It's this little uh, uh, private school in Indiana. We got the the Grace uh, golf girls here. The the golf team is here. And, uh, yeah, come on, give it up for girls' golf. Totally undervalued. Totally. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to Grace, and part of going to Grace, and they're all very familiar with this, you sign the Grace Covenant. And it's all these rules. And I went there because I had these struggles in my life with, with, uh, with substance abuse, drug, and alcohol abuse. And I wanted to go to a school um, that was smaller and had some, some structure. I knew that would be healthy for me and uh, be surrounded with people who were making different types of decisions in life than what I'd been used to. So I go to Grace. And uh, it's like my my junior year, and we're getting ready to go on spring break. And it's me and my best friends, and we had this spring break trip planned to Florida. We were going to get this house on the beach, and we were going to go down to Florida, and we were going to drink all week long. I mean, that's like generally what a lot of college students do. And even from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, yeah, you're in college. That's what you do. You party. And I knew that God was calling me to follow him in a different direction. I knew that that God wanted me to um, honor that contract I signed. I knew that God didn't want me to go down there and abuse alcohol. And so I made one of the hardest decisions I've ever made, and it felt so odd. And I told my best friends that I couldn't go to Florida with them because I didn't want to have that be a part of my life. And I was crushed. And they, you guys, they were like, what? Like, where is this conscious coming from now? We've, been, we've known you for three years, and now you're going to decide to do this? Like, what is going on, right? They didn't understand it. It was not normal. It didn't make sense to them. And they were like, Ryan, that is odd. Following God can seem odd. Uh, I don't think I'm the only one who struggles with this. I think anybody who makes the decision to follow God or investigate God's plan for their life I, I think everybody eventually runs into this wall of like, God, man, you want me to do that? That doesn't make sense. That's not normal. Um, we uh, Joel talked about it, but we just went through that We Can't campaign. And I had a conversation um, after everybody kind of made their commitments and said what they were going to be a part of that. And uh, I had a conversation with a girl, a young adult at our church, who made a commitment. And part of We Can't, um, actually all of We Can't, you know, part of it was building a building. But the heart of We Can't was trusting God with our finances, making a decision to believe that everything we have comes from God and that, and that God's plan for us and our finances is to be generous and to give to the local church and to support it and to help it grow so that we continue to share this message. And so she heard that and she bought into that and she was like, yeah, like, I, I, that is true and I want to move in that direction and I want to follow God in that way. And so she made a commitment and a few weeks after that, she went to our financial planner And if you go to a financial planner that does not believe that, he's going to have some other opinions. And he looked at her budget, and he said, well, this is odd. You want to save money? You want to invest in your future? It's not this 10% going to the church. He didn't understand. It is not normal to tithe to the local church, to trust God with your finances in that way. Um, How about sex? Here's one that is not normal. Sex before marriage. The Bible is so clear that God has this amazing plan for marriage and part of that is sex and sex is designed to live in marriage. And we, we did this relationship series with our high schoolers last month and or around Valentine's Day and one of those weeks we talked about God's plan for their life in that area and we encouraged them to follow God specifically and waiting until they get married to have sex. That it was going to be better. And uh, after we do our large group and 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 somebody gets done speaking to all the students. They break up into their small groups and they have conversation about the message. And uh, a leader came back to me. One of these small group leaders came back to me after that message. And she said that she was like ganged up on by her whole small group. And that this group of students was arguing with her that, that that plan, that that part of Scripture, that following God in that way is outdated and doesn't apply to them anymore. And I heard that, and I was just like, oh, well, I I can understand why they would think that. Like, that is weird. That is not the world we live in. That is not the message communicated by culture. Waiting until you get married to have sex, that is odd. And when you make a decision to follow God in that way, it looks odd from the outside looking in. People think you're weird, and it feels odd because it feels like you're giving up something that's, like, so ingrained in you, and every part of you, especially when you're a, a 14-year-old hormonal uh, high schooler says, man, that thing looks good and I want it. What do you mean I'm not supposed to have that? Or Forgiveness. A few months ago, there was a, a horrible tragedy in Charleston. Um, a, a guy um, went into a, a a church and killed nine people in a small group that were meeting and, and talking about God. And it was violent. It was horrible. There was no reason for it. And And Even more shocking than that was the next day, victims of those, um, family members of those victims got on TV in front of the world and said, We forgive that guy who did that thing to our family. That is odd. I don't know if I could forgive somebody the next day who killed somebody in my family. And yet God is so clear, and the Bible is so clear, that forgiveness is a part of his plan. He says, forgive, Joel just talked about it, forgive because you've been forgiven. You didn't deserve to be forgiven by me, so, and I forgave you, so go and forgive everybody else for what they've done to you and the wrong that they've done to you. That is not normal. That is not the world we live in. Following God in that way is odd. How about this? This is my favorite. Sometimes I wake up, I, I swear this is like a moment of like vulnerability, sometimes I wake up and I think about what I believe, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. I believe that 2,000 years ago this guy, God, came out of heaven, was born as a little baby, lived 30 years, died on a cross, he was put in a tomb, three days later he rose from the dead, and then I believe that by believing that, he comes and lives in my heart. I believe that Jesus lives inside of me. That's weird. And if you believe it, you're weird too. That is not normal to believe that a little man lives in your heart. And then on top of that, we think that we can talk to him. That's weird. That is not normal. Normal people don't have little people living inside of them that they talk to and tells them which kind of decisions to make in life and say, I want to follow that voice inside of me. I want to follow God. That is not normal. Following God can feel odd. And we all experience that. And it's so important, you guys. And, and my only goal for today, I guess I have two goals, is I just want to like, bring awareness. I want to inform you that this is the truth about following God. Sometimes we, we get into this journey and we're coming around church, you're checking it out. Whatever reason you're here, you're looking for something. Everybody is here because you're looking for something. daniel son um, went to Mr. Miyagi because he was looking for something. And everybody in this room is here because you're looking for something. Whether or not you have a relationship with God, whether or not you've decided to follow him, you're looking for something. And I want to inform you that sometimes what we're looking for isn't what we think it is. And that God's ways aren't always normal and aren't always what we think they're going to be. And then I want to inspire you guys. I hope that today um, you make a decision in your life that even though it's crazy, even though it's not normal, even though it may feel odd, that you're still going to follow God anyways. And so I want to, I want to talk about this guy Joshua. Um, Joshua is this Pivotal character in the Old Testament, and Joshua comes into the scene um, right after, um, uh, not long after the Israelites come out of Egypt. And so the Israelites were this group of people, and God had a very special relationship with them. And they were in Egypt, and they were sl- they were in slavery, and and God used Moses to lead the people out of slavery through the plagues, through the Red Sea, all these miracles. They wandered around the desert for forty years, and then they get to the Jordan River, and Moses dies, and Joshua comes on the scene, and Joshua becomes the new leader of the Israelites. Joshua has some huge shoes to fill, and they get to the edge of the Jordan, and this whole time God's been telling him about this promised land, and has been promising this group of people that they're not going to be in slavery anymore, they're not going to live in somebody else's land, but that he promised them a land of their own, and freedom, where they could have safety, and be free from slavery, and have that life that they wanted. And so, uh, God was leading them there and they get to the Jordan and the promised land, the land that God promised them is right on the other side of the river and so they cross the river and they get over there and and here's the problem with the promised land. Uh, there were other people living in it. And God told them for you to take it, for you to live in this land, you got to take possession of it and you got to you got to defeat all these people. You got to go to war with them. But I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to help you. And the first town that they get to, after they cross the Jordan, the first town that they get to, the thing standing in the way of them in this land that God promised them is this little town called Jericho. And maybe you guys have heard of it. This little town called Jericho. um, Living in the city, there were probably only about 1,500 people. And then people lived all around the city. And so when Israel came up to the city, everybody, everybody living around it went into the city and they closed the gates. And Jericho was, um, had these walls around it, these um, massive walls. They were huge. And it wasn't that big of a city. It wasn't like there was like a ton of people. So when, when they closed the gates, there might have been like three or 4,000 people in it. And it was only about a half mile around. So picture a, uh, a track, um, like a high school track, 400 meters, double that. That's about how big the city wall was. But the city wall was tall. Um, I I found a picture from 1983 because apparently nobody makes pictures of the walls of Jericho anymore, and I don't know how to use the computer well enough to make my own. Um, And this this is a representation of what they came up against. This down here is a little person. And this first wall would have been a retaining wall, and it would have been 15 feet high, and it would have just been holding up dirt in this giant mound. And on top of that retaining wall would have been this mud and brick wall that would have been another 12 to 15 feet. So now we're at almost... 30 feet of wall. And then you go up the steep embankment. There's just this grassy area. They think people lived there. They think people built like little houses there up next to the walls. And, and then you get to another wall, the upper city wall, and that would be another 10 to 15 feet tall. And so from the ground looking up, this wall is almost 45 feet tall. And Israel has to go to battle with Jericho. It is right in their way of getting where they need to go. And normally in this type of situation, um, when, they would, when they would go to war against cities, um, sometimes they would big, dig a big pit, or a big tunnel to get into the city. But the way the city was set up, it was on a mound that was, it was nearly impossible. It would have taken forever. Sometimes they build giant ramps. And this is another process that takes months. And then they would have to build a ramp, and then they'd have to build another ramp. And then anytime you get close to the city wall, you know, they throw bricks over and they throw things on you and people die and nobody wants to die. So that wasn't a good plan. Um, uh, Sometimes they would just surround the city and make sure that no supplies got in or out. Like, let's starve them out. But at this time of the year, when Israel comes up to uh, Jericho, they just finished the harvest. So they have got so much food in there, it's not even funny. It uh, It would have taken almost a year for them to run out of that food. And they have two wells inside of their city. It was totally not normal to have wells inside of your city. So Jericho was sitting pretty. They knew they were safe. And they were small, but they were secure. And the, the thing about Joshua is um, he had a special relationship with God. And Moses, leading up to this point, also had this really special relationship with God. And Moses would go out and talk to God. And God would talk to Moses and give Moses direction for how to follow him, direction to give all the Israelites for where to go and what to do. And when Joshua took over, he had this same special relationship with God. And so he's like, okay, hey, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to meet with God, and I'm going to figure out what we're going to do. I'm going to figure out what's next. I'm going to figure out how to take over the city. So Joshua goes out, and he has this conversation with God, and God gives Joshua the battle plans, the thing they've been wanting. The land is yours, and he told him. He said, it's yours. I've already given it to you. The battle is yours. The victory is yours. The battle has been won, but here's what you've got to do to get it. Here's how I need you to follow me. And these were the battle plans of God. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven, have, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. That's... Is odd. That is odd. If I'm Joshua, I'm like, you, God, like, aren't you going to like build some big like trebuchet and like we're going to throw rocks at him or something? Like, can't we set him on fire? Like, you want us? God told him, every day for six days, go out and march around the city one time, and then on the seventh day, do it seven times, and on the seventh time, blow the horns and scream. That's what I want you to do. What? God, that's odd. That is not normal. That's never been done before. If we go out there and do that, we're going to be a mockery. They're going to laugh at us. They're going to think we're stupid. They're going to think we have no idea what we're doing if we go do that, God. I can only imagine Joshua. Uh, you know, Joshua had a really big task of you know, having this conversation with God, and then he had to go tell, um, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of men in this army. He had to go all tell all these guys what the plan was. Well, guys, here it is. We're going to march around the city. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and then we're going to go home. Okay. And then we're going to come back the next day. And we're going to do it again. And it's like, what? And and Joshua probably had to, you know, what he had to do to lead them to do that. They didn't hear from God. God didn't tell all of them to do that. God spoke through Joshua. And then they're supposed to follow Joshua. It's like, what, God? God. And so they do it. They start doing this. It's crazy. They do it. Hundreds of thousands of these guys, they go out and they march around the city. And they do it the first day and then they go home. Whoop, 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 whoop. you know, blowing their whistles. And, you know, they were probably singing songs. Those guys were probably like, okay, everybody in the city's probably looking out thinking, what are these guys doing? And they did it. And then they did it the second day and they did it the third day. And I can just imagine Joshua, you know, trying to encourage those guys, just keep walking, just keep doing it just keep going. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's crazy. Do it anyways. Let's trust God. Come on, guys. Let's just do it the way God said to do it. Let's follow God on this one. He's led us this far. He's going to be faithful. We can trust him, guys. Come on. Let's go. Let's march. Let's do it God's way. And they say, do it. And on the seventh day, when the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpets, When the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed and everyone charged straight in and they took the city. The walls collapsed and they had victory. They had victory because they did what God told them to do. They followed God even when it didn't make sense. And those walls went down and they took the city of Jericho and they stepped into the promised land and it was theirs. And they got the thing that God wanted to give them a land of their own and freedom. Following God can seem so odd, but what's at stake when we don't do it his way? What are we going to miss out on when we don't do life the way God wants us to do it? Two really important things happen when we follow God, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's odd. The first one is this, is that you get the good things God has for you. Just like God promised Israel that he wanted all these amazing things for him. That same promise is true to us. And the Bible is filled with promises that God wants good things for us. Jesus says in Scripture, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that may have life and have it to the full. God wants you. God wants us to have a full and abundant life. Jesus came to earth to make our lives better. And when we, when we decide to follow God, even when it doesn't make sense, we get to experience life the way God designed it to be. When we say it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense, when we say it doesn't matter that I don't understand, it doesn't matter that nobody else is doing it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to take a step of faith, I'm going to follow God in this area of my life, we get to experience the things that God has for us. What promises of God have you heard about your own life, your family, your finances, your relationships, your job. You, you hear, we, we talk every, all the time about, Joe. we just do this whole series about having this relationship with God and asking God for good things and that, that God wants to give us these good things. What good things does God want to give you that you haven't received because you haven't been willing to follow? God says it's there, just march around it, just keep going. This is for you. I have good things for you if you'll just follow me, do it my way. The second thing is this, you build trust. You build trust. I think there's a misconception about having a relationship with God and that it's that when you decide to follow God that your life changes. And the Bible's very clear that your, your soul changes, that, that, that in that moment you're saved and you're with God and that he's a part of your life forever no matter what you do. But we are broken people and we live in a broken world and we have fear and anxiety and we have hard times trusting God. And God, um, trusting God isn't this giant decision. It's a decision we make in all these different areas of our life. That was one decision that the Israelites made. That was one decision that Joshua made to trust God. And it wasn't the first and it wasn't going to be the last. But can you imagine how the Israelites felt after they trusted God and they took that step of faith. And then those walls came crumbling down. And they probably thought, you know what, we can trust God. You know what, they, they were probably excited for, to, to trust God in another area. To say, what else does God want to give us? How else can we experience the goodness of God? In Proverbs, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I got to hear Andy Stanley speak a couple days ago, and he said the, 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 the tell of a good parent, this is, this is good, parents, the tell of a good parent is that when your child moves away, do they want to come back? Do they want to come back and spend with you? And the point he was making is that there's so many parents out there that parent and their goal is obedience. They want children who obey them. And he said the heart of a parent needs to be relationship, not obedience. That the goal is to be close with your child, to show them that you are trustworthy, that you do know more than they do, that you do see life from a different perspective, that you have experience and wisdom and that you want to give that to them, and you want to experience life with them and walk through life, and it's not just about them obeying everything you say. And the same is true for God. God wants us to learn to trust him and walk through life with him, hand in hand, taking steps of faith in every area of our life, so we can experience life the way God designed it to be. After Daniel got done waxing cars for one day, he goes back the next day, and he's probably like, all right, to learn karate. Like, here we go. And like, now I paid my dues, now I get to really learn karate. And he shows up the next day, and he's like, all right, paint this fence. And Daniel spends all day painting a fence. He goes home, he comes back the next day, and he says, all right, sand the deck. And he sands the deck all day. He comes back the fourth day, and he says, paint the house. He spends all day painting this stupid house. And at the end of the day, he's defeated, he's tired, he's confused. And he's, he's, he spent the last four days doing something that doesn't make sense at all. And he goes to Mr. Miyagi, and this moment of anger and confusion. And he says, I'm ready to quit, man. I don't think I can keep doing this anymore. And this is the interaction they have.
0: Sand floor. Sand Big sucker. Sand floor. Now show me wax on wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on wax off, Hey, Wax on hat. Wax off. At. Concentrate. Look my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on hat. Wax off. At. Wax on hat. Axe off. Axe on. Axe off. Bush. Show me paint the fence. Up, down. Up, down. Up, down. Other side. Look, I Always look, eye. Show me paint the house, side, side. List. Side, 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 yes. show me wax on, wax off. Yes! 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 Show me paint defence. fence. Yes! 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 Show me side to side. Yes! 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 sand
1: look I Come If that doesn't get you jacked up. I mean, come on. Like, let's go do karate together out front. It's beautiful out. Daniel had no idea what was going on, and Mr. Miyagi knew the whole time what he was doing. And that's wisdom. God's way is wisdom, and when we apply it to our lives, we experience it the way he designed it to be. It says in Corinthians, um, it says, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. God knows what's best for us, and he wants us. You guys, God wants us, God wants you to have life and to experience life and relationships and finances and family and work and all these different areas of our life. God wants us to experience them the way he designed them, the best way possible. And you'll never trust God. You'll never determine if God is trustworthy if you don't ever take a risk and say, I'm going to do it your way, even though I don't understand, even though it sounds You know, crazy is all get out, even though the people around me want to understand if I do it this way, I'm going to do it your way, and I'm going to see if you're faithful. I'm going to see if I can trust you. And I challenge you, I dare you, apply God's principles to your life, follow him, and you will see that he is trustworthy, and it will be worth it, and you will never look back. You will never look back, and you will experience life in a totally different way. So what's your Jericho? What's that thing in your life that's standing in the way of what God has for you? After I told my friends that I couldn't go to Florida with them and they thought that was odd, they came back to me a few days later and they said, Ryan, we love you so much and if you go to Florida, we promise you we won't drink all week. And I did not expect that. And I honestly, I didn't even believe them. And they convinced me that they were—they meant it—and so I went to Florida, and I had one of the best weeks of my life with those guys. And I didn't have to feel bad about it, and I got to go to Florida, and I got to follow God. It doesn't always work out like that, but it works out. So what's that thing in your life that you need to just keep going? And maybe, maybe it's this compartmentalized thing where yeah, I'm willing to follow God over here, like, yeah, like you know, "Thou shalt not kill." I'll follow God there. There's certain parts that are really easy. But we all have these compartments of our life where like, ooh, I don't know if I can trust you in that area, God. I don't know if I believe you there. That sounds too odd. Do it. Take a step. Try it God's way. And some of you are like, I've been doing that and I am doing that. And I just want to encourage you, keep going. The Israelites had to march around Jericho over and over and over again. And it took them seven days and maybe it's going to take you seven weeks or seven months, or seven years, but God is faithful and he keeps all of his promises and he wants good things for you. And just keep going. Remind yourself that God is trustworthy. and Say, okay, God, I'm gonna keep doing it your way. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much that all you want for us are good things. God, help us to trust you enough and to take a step of faith and to take a risk and follow you even though it's weird or it doesn't make sense so that we can experience more of life the way you designed it to be experienced, God. Give us courage. Give us discipline. Give us wisdom to realize that your ways are better than our ways, God. We need that from you. We need the wisdom that you have to offer us, God. Amen.